Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today is Friday, August 28, 2020. On this day in 1849, the Republic of San Marco, or Venice, Italy as we know it today, lost its brief independence and was forced back under the Austrian Empire's control. It was a devastating day for the city and its leader, an unlikely revolutionary named Daniele Manin. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Today we're covering the rise and fall of the Venetian Republic of San Marco and the inspiring tale of its deposed leader. Let's go back to August 28, 1849, to an Italian ship bound for Paris. Forty-five-year-old Daniele Manin looked over the sailboat's edge as his beloved Venice receded into the distance. Yesterday, he ruled the city. Today, he was exiled from it. Beside him was his wife, Teresa. She was dying, and it would be a miracle if she survived the journey. If Manin had kept his mouth shut a year ago, she might be comfortable in bed, and he, still in his law office, quietly poring over legal texts. But revolution had called out to him, and he had no choice but to answer. In the 19th century, Venice's position on the Adriatic Sea made it a worthy prize for the warring empires of Austria and France. As the Habsburgs and Napoleon battled, Venetians could only pray that whoever won would treat them kindly. One of those citizens was Daniele Manin. He was born on May 13, 1804, to a Jewish-Italian family that converted to Christianity in the 1700s. In Manin's first 10 years, Venice was traded between Austria and France before ultimately landing under Austrian rule. Young Manin probably had little awareness of the fear of injustice that accompanied these shifts for Venetians, but that would change as he got older and went into law. By the 1840s, when Manin was hitting 40 himself, a tide of nationalism was cresting in Venice. Manin, frustrated by Austria's distant, arbitrary laws, was as angry as any of his fellow Venetians. He wanted to act and give his city the justice it deserved. Then he realized that he could act in his own unique way. He was a lawyer. He would fight the law with the law. In 1847, Manin presented a list of the people's demands to his Austrian rulers. One of his most inflammatory arguments was about home rule, where governance of a colonized territory remains in its residents' hands. Manin insisted that Austria had promised home rule to Venice when they took over in 1814, but never followed through. Manin's boldness impressed working-class Venetians. They weren't used to well-to-do intellectuals fighting for their rights, so Manin became their hero. But where Venice saw a champion, Vienna saw a traitor. Leaders in the Austrian capital were worried. 
Venice wasn't their only problem. They were dealing with uprisings across their empire. Their subjects had to be subdued. Making an example of Daniele Manin would be a perfect first step. In January of 1848, Manin was arrested for treason. But instead of quelling his subversive influence, the arrest had the opposite effect. Venetians were furious that their champion was behind bars and began to riot in the streets. The Austrians, frustrated and desperate to regain their authority, released Manin from jail on March 17, 1848. Perhaps this would quell the angry mobs, but the gambit backfired. Instead, the rioters rallied around Manin and insisted that the free man could now free all of Venice. Manin was suddenly the unwitting leader of a revolution, and he took to it like a natural. What he lacked in fighting skills, he made up for with his sense of strategy. He recruited Venetians to form a civic guard and focused on eliminating the city's Austrian presence. On March 22nd, Manin led his militia to the dockyard. After looting the ships for weapons and convincing dock laborers to join the fight, Manin and his men overpowered Austria's forces. The invaders retreated, and Manin and the Venetians took control of their own city. At the end of this incredible day, Manin celebrated at Café Florian in the Piazza San Marco. Surrounded by his army, he stood on top of a table and proclaimed that the Venetian Republic of San Marco was reborn. As the crowd chanted, Viva San Marco! It must have been a surreal moment for Manin. A few months earlier, he'd been a bookish lawyer longing for justice. Now, he was the brash, outspoken leader of a revolution and the next ruler of Venice. It seemed the worst was behind Menin, but his hardest fight was still to come. Up next, Menin scrambles to keep the dream of San Marco alive. Hi, listeners. Here's a series I think you're really going to like. We all know that medical professionals are trained to give exceptional care. But what about those who use their skills not to heal, but hurt? In the new ParCast series, Medical Murders, you'll discover a disturbing diagnosis that not every doctor wants to extend your life. Every Wednesday, Medical Murders introduces you to the worst the medical community has to offer. Men and women who took an oath to save lives, but instead used their expertise to develop more sinister specialties. Join host Alastair Murden as he examines the formative years and motives of history's most infamous killers. Dissecting their medical backgrounds with expert analysis and professional insight provided by practicing MD, Dr. David Kipper. You'll investigate a wide range of heinous healthcare workers, like the general practitioner believed to be the most prolific serial killer in modern history, or the dentist who led a double life as a hitman, or even the doctor and gang member who mixed deadly potions for unhappy housewives to use on their husbands. When it comes to these true crime stories, the only thing the doctor ordered is murder. Follow Medical Murders free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to the story. 
In March of 1848, angry citizens overthrew the Austrian forces that controlled what's now Venice, Italy. The rebels were led by Daniele Manin, a lawyer whose smarts and strategy ensured their victory. 43-year-old Manin was elected president of San Marco in the spring of 1848. Though he lacked political experience, his followers felt his legal knowledge would be crucial in establishing a new government. Manin had admirable goals. He insisted that people of all colors and creeds deserved safety and protection and set out to create a new, peaceful island city. However, his presidential prowess was tested in the spring of 1849, when Austria came back to his island state with a vengeance. Led by Marshal Josef Radetzky, Austria attacked San Marco from both land and sea. By May, Radetzky's forces had destroyed the railway that linked the island city to mainland Italy. Now, San Marco could no longer receive food, goods, and valuable ammunition. San Marco's residents couldn't escape by land because the rails were destroyed. They couldn't escape by sea either because Austrian ships lurked in the waters like sharks. They were sitting ducks, primed to endure months of relentless attacks. Over the summer of 1849, Austrian forces pummeled San Marco with a reported 60,000 bombs. In addition to the casualties, they destroyed centuries of valuable cultural artifacts. And even without the constant threat of violence, the citizens of San Marco were on their last legs. Being cut off from the mainland meant there was now a famine, and San Marco's soldiers struggled to fight while starving. To make matters worse, a cholera epidemic ripped through the city, infecting the rich and poor alike. Nobody was safe, and Daniele Manin was dealt a personal blow when his wife, Teresa, got sick too. By late August, the Austrians knew they were close to a victory, so they got creative and more devious than ever in an attempt to bring the fight home. On the 22nd, they strapped bombs to balloons and let the wind carry them to San Marco. The bombs that dropped didn't do much damage, but this was the first precursor to the modern, deadly air raids that became popular in wars to come. It became clear to Menin that there was simply no way to win. After discussing the situation with his assembly, Menin reached out to Marshal Radetzky to discuss surrender. Menin was still the determined lawyer he'd always been, and he tried for a fair resolution in his initial negotiations. He insisted that Venice have home rule with some autonomy, just like he'd argued in 1848. But Radetzky refused and insisted that Menin and his closest political allies be exiled from San Marco. It was a difficult choice, but Menin knew it was the only safe option. On August 27th, once Radetzky promised to give amnesty to Menin's supporters, Menin agreed to Austria's terms and prepared to leave his beloved city. The next day was August 28, 1849. As Austrians reclaimed San Marco, Menin and his allies sailed away. Menin was headed for Paris with his wife, Teresa. 
But he made it there alone. Teresa tragically died of cholera mere hours after leaving San Marco. During his Parisian exile, Menin never forgot about his homeland. He wrote fervently about the need for a united Italy. While he'd insisted on San Marco's sovereignty, he now believed Italian territories would only free themselves from their conquerors by working together. He wouldn't live to see that happen. Manin died on September 22, 1857, at the age of 53. In 1866, Italy reclaimed San Marco from Austria after the Third Italian War of Independence, where it became the Venice we know today. In 1868, Daniele Manin's ashes were returned to Italy, where he received a lavish public burial in his beloved birthplace. The rise and fall of San Marco could only have happened in the chaos of the 19th century as modern Europe fought to define itself. If San Marco had won, it's possible we'd be talking about it as an independent country nowadays, and Menin would be a major historical figure instead of a curious footnote. Still, despite his failures, a statue of Menin stands in Venice today. It honors the unlikely rebel whose dream of freedom resulted in one of the most exciting and unique years in Italian history. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more on the dramatic, fascinating story of Italy's formation, check out the first two episodes of ParCast original, Dictators, on Benito Mussolini. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Aaron Larson. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Amin Osman, with writing assistance by Nora Battelle. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Killer nurses, deranged doctors, mad scientists. Don't forget to check out the new ParCast original series, Medical Murders. Every Wednesday, meet the worst the medical community has to offer. Men and women who took an oath to save lives, but instead use their expertise to develop more sinister specialties. Follow Medical Murders free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.